This is Daddy Show. Presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now live from Studio C, it's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live on a Friday. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio C presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. August 19th, wherever and however you're connected, always great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who absolutely loves the fact that Cougar Nation is a very real thing, Jerem Jordan. Absolutely. It is all over the place. And we talked uh, yesterday about the Hokusons. Jonathan, who's a big-time fan, his son Beckham, right? Mm-hmm. We just played the open as well. But Beckham's actually here in studio. Beckham, come on over, man. Good to see you. He's three years old, and he's a huge oh. BYU fan. And uh, Knuckles. he gives knucks. What's up, dog? Yeah, Good Beckham. Good to have you here, man. <laughs> Thanks for coming. He is an esteemed guest in Studio C. I hope we play his open for a while. Daddy's show. Daddy's show. That's oh, awesome. Fantastic. Thanks stuff. for coming, Beckham. Great to have to uh, Jonathan and Beckham Jonathan, Hokinson yeah. here with us in Studio C. This, this <laughs> is the appropriate way to start a fun Friday show. Absolutely. And not only that, uh, we got a tweet at Love24Car from Tiffany. We've been visiting our children in Washington State while we were in downtown Seattle. Go Mariners and Seahawks! Sucked against the Bears last night, however. My husband was wearing a BYU t-shirt, and some, some guy yelled out towards us, Jimmer Fredette forever! Yeah. I love being a wife fan. Hey, hey, even, even Jimmer, uh, random Jimmer fan in Seattle, you know? <laughs> love is, is it random, though? Jim, it feels like Jimmer fans will live on forever. Well, it's random because it's just like a random person, but uh, Qui-Gon Jinn said there, there's no coincidences. So, yeah, take yes. that for what it's worth. Jimmer Fredette forever. Ty Detmer forever. <laughs> All of our legends. Steve Young forever, right? All these guys. Uh, loaded Friday show lineup for you, including BYU football against the group of five teams this year. There are six. Is this the year that BYU rediscovers the magic against group of five teams? And by magic, I mean they can go perfect against their six G5 opponents. We will discuss who's the biggest threat. A lot of you think Boise State. Is it Boise State? Fun conversation. Daryl Funk, the offensive line coach, will also join us one-on-one with Jason Shepard to discuss the most discussed group in BYU football fall camp. And uh, frankly, Jeremy, it just this Friday show, it needs to be fun with a capital F. So let's get to it, beginning with today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football held practice 11 yesterday. For a recap, here's Dave and Blaine, who begin with the secondary. Thanks, guys. If there was the happiest group on this entire football team, I think today would vote it's the defensive backs. Yeah, we got to visit with literally the entire two deep in the secondary today. And when we talked to Malik Moore, um, he he just said they're so excited and so ecstatic about getting ready to play. They can't wait to get to South Florida because they're so confident with how good they are and how deep they are defensively. We asked him how he's going to top the one-handed pick against Utah (laughs) State. He said he has a few ideas. Yeah, he says, I've been thinking thinking about about it. it. I challenge him to catch one behind him one-handed and bring it in without ever using the other hand. Caleb Hayes is another guy who made big plays last year. We just talked to him. He said they're ready. Yeah, he said they're, they're physically in good shape. Everybody has stayed relatively healthy through camp, and now they're on their way. And then we have a new addition. Yeah, new and, kid in yeah, town. Maury Bamba, who the JC uh, transfer from Tyler Junior College, um, he is in camp now. And this is a guy that can really run and has high potential. He told us, I'm learning the defense. There's a lot of calls out there, but once I learn it, I'm going to be good. 
All right, that is the word from Cougar Camp for Blaine Fowler. I'm Dave McCann. Guys, we'll send it back to you. Thanks, guys. Maury Bamba uh, probably going to fit into the two deep there. He was putting in some extra work with Caleb Hayes uh, on the field yesterday. Good to hear. Cougars will practice today and tomorrow before a final fall camp uh, week next week ahead of game week starting on the 29th. How wild is that to say the final week of fall camp? We're close, man. Good close. Clark Barrington named a preseason second team All-American according to the Action Football Network. Barrington has now been selected as an All-American in some regard or another by five different organizations. He's getting noticed just like Blake Freeland is. Also of note, seven BYU players have been named to the Polynesian Player of the Year Award watch list. Chaz Ayu, Atanaisa Mahe, Joe Tukuafu, Puku Nakua, Earl Tuyati Mariner, Keenan Peely, and Isaac Rex. The winner will be decided on December 15th. One BYU player, I believe, has won this. It was Zach Wilson. His dad is Hawaiian. His middle name is Capono. That's right. Number three, women's soccer wins its season opener 1-0 at Cal State Fullerton thanks to a 61st-minute cross from Zoe Jacobs to Bella Felino, who headed in the eventual game winner. The Cougars play at Ohio State next Saturday. Also, Jamie Shepard and Leveni Vaca are on the Mac Herman Trophy watch list for the nation's top player. That was an important breakthrough for BYU women's soccer after the struggles against North Carolina and our girl Bella. We think we you expect big things from her this year. You can't you can't go lose to Fullerton, and you know what I mean. So nice win out of the gates. That's similar to South Florida. You got to go yeah. win that game, and then you have some more challenges. BYU still unbeaten all time against Fullerton in women's soccer. Now eight zero and two. Jets head coach Robert Sala says Zach Wilson, the aforementioned Polynesian Player of the Year, is back in New York and walking. Sala also said the plan is to have Zach return when, of course, he is one hundred percent. Now the question is, when will he be 100%? Is it week He's one? He's at 99%. They're like, he is not ready. Is it week two? Yeah. NFL preseason games this weekend. Notables include Brady Christensen and the Panthers against Harvey Longy and the Patriots. Taysom Hill, Daniel Sorensen, and the Saints play the Packers. Uh, Taysom against the Packers, huh? Mm-hmm. Old uh, Packers. Mm-hmm. Jamal Williams, Lions take on the Colts trio of Samson Nakua, Chris Wilcox, and Tyson Williams tomorrow. And Dax Milne and the Commanders play Matt Bushman, Zane Anderson, and Andy Reid's mustache against the Chiefs. Women's volleyball will host their annual blue and white scrimmage tomorrow. The 10th ranked Cougars ready to roll. August 20th, 3 Eastern, Smithfield House, uh, non-ticket. It's just open seating if you'd like to go and you're in the area. The official season begins on August 26th, the first of two BYU Invitationals. Cougars will take on Ryder and Duke at 2 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, respectively. Carson Lundell's run at the U.S. Amateur Championships ends in the round of 32 after he lost by one to Dylan uh, Menanti, a two-time All-American from Pepperdine. What a run by Lundell and the four Cougars in that tournament. That's awesome. Former BYU backhat Jackson Klepp and the Harrisburg Senators took it to the Altoona curve last night. Jackson's RBI double on the top of the six gave the Sens a 5-4 lead. He's playing again tonight at Altoona, 6 p.m. Jackson's doing work. We're hoping that he gets to call up very quickly to AAA, just maybe. Yeah. In the next year or two, he's playing in the big show. Nationals aren't great, if I recall. So, hey, seize that opportunity. Let's go. Time for What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation, a Friday edition. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. The group of five on topic today. Six different G5 opponents for BYU this season in their independence finale. We focus, naturally, so much attention on the Power Five opponents, but it was the group of five teams last year, Jerem, that caused BYU more problems two losses compared to just one loss against the Power Five. Crazy. So this season against the six teams, 
and most notably at Boise State, home to Utah State. Do you expect BYU to beat the Aggies and the Broncos and the other four teams and go 6-0 and against a group of five teams? I don't. I think 5-1 and is probably where BYU lands. Uh, certainly we want 6-0. and Come on. Uh, but what we really should be talking about is the FCS team. Mm. No, just kidding. <laughs> Live on BYU TV. Uh, yeah, I, I would love a 3-2 and two Power 5 record and a 5-1 and one G5 record. That'd be 8-4, and four, but what we really want and think is 9+. plus. So in order to really do that, you probably need to go 6-0 and against the, uh, the G5s. Now, uh, I'd like to just say this publicly, especially to the Mountain West, I feel there are some top 44 wins in there uh, for BYU since they lauded that. Although I put that out jokingly this morning on Twitter, and uh, Greg Welch at Art Director BYU said, not per FPI, uh, just one top 50 team from uh, among the BYU opponents in the G5. Boise State at 47. So will Boise State even be in the top 44? We kid. But yes, in order to get nine wins, it feels like BYU would probably need to go 6-0 against G5. Well, technically, if they go 3-2, and two, they've got the FCS game against Utah right. Tech. That gets you to 9-3. That gets you to 9-3. and three. That's how I came up with that number. That's right. Okay, so yes, I think 5-1 uh, and one can still get you there. And, and let's be honest, that's probably the reality. Um, going 6-0 and oh is hard against... The G5 teams, no matter how BYU, uh, good BYU is. Um, you, and you look at who BYU is facing. Obviously, these are all winnable games. Boise State is the toughest game, no doubt, given the history, given who Boise State is, given last season. Utah State uh, was way better than we thought last year. Basically, BYU beat Utah and Utah State, and they got real good after that. Um, BYU got them at a good time, and I, I'd be confident with BYU later in the season against those guys too. But BYU took advantage because – that was September 29th. Utah State goes 11-3, wins the Mountain West. They have a banner year. They finished top 25. But clearly, Boise State's the toughest game. Going undefeated, Spence, is hard, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The last time BYU went undefeated against a group of five teams was in 2015, 7-0. Seven years. It's hard to beat all the group of five teams. Like, you stumble at least once, typically. Like, 2020, unbelievable team. Obviously a weird game at Coastal. There's one G5 loss there. Granted, Coastal was a very good team. They were top 20 as well. So I, that's why I say five and one. I, I think five and one's probably the, my, that's my prediction of what happens. Five and one. So the key to BYU I don't going want any G5. unbeaten against a group of five teams in independence has been beating Boise State. Like, the key you will to, be to beat Boise State. If you beat Boise State, certainly you have a shot. Then you've got a great shot. Because they're by far the toughest there. Utah State, the other toughest. So, assuming health. We're assuming health. We do. Go back last year. Jaron Hall was not healthy against Boise State. And neither was Baylor Romney. That was the real Baylor issue. Baylor Romney had to sit out because he was concussed the week before against, against Utah, Utah State. State. If Baylor he could not play. I think if a healthy Baylor Romney's in there and you don't have to play an already injured Jaron Hall. BYU I think beats it, Boise I think State. BYU, Yes. Although, although, did Tyler Algier and Lopini uh, Katoa, were those three fumbles, were those, ha did those have anything to do with Jaron Hall? No. Did we just think Jaron's going to move the ball down the field more in the other possessions? Yeah, Jaron was clearly limited in his ability to do what he usually does. He's playing with broken ribs. Like, he could not get the ball down the field with as much gusto, yeah. as much velocity behind it as he wanted to. I, I just feel like if BYU has a healthy quarterback against Boise State last year, they win that game. And they certainly, the ball three times, certainly against UAB. 
Hey, if Jaron Hall is healthy and playing against UAB, you gotta like BYU's chance. BYU's going to beat the Blazers and win their bowl game. But we liked Baylor Romney and his ability. It still didn't work, right? Jaron, obviously, uh, a, a little bit better quarterback than Baylor. That's why he was a starter. Yeah, there were there were there were issues outside of the QB. I think in both games, BYU didn't stop the run well. And yeah, well, yeah, again, BYU. We feel like the depth is better overall for BYU this year, so that if they do get to a bowl game scenario at the end of the season, and it's similar to last year where they're dealing with a bunch of injuries, we think they're better equipped to handle that. I kind of need to see it still. Uh, I, I hope for it, um, but a depth conversation in the preseason is one of my most annoying topics, frankly, because we don't actually know that. We think that you bring back experience, but, the, like, is it well, quality is, depth? Are they going to actually This stop is the based run? on what Kalani Satake has said but again what, and again and again, where it's like, this is the most depth I've had – of yeah. any team I've coached to BYU. Yeah, and that's due to COVID. Um, but, like, are those guys going to make the plays in that game if it comes to that late in the season? Because they did not against UAB. Like, I, I am still – the jury's still out a little bit for me to see. And I, you know what I don't want to see is the depth. Because I'd love the starters okay. to be healthy. I'm buying I would what, love that. I'm buying what Kalani is selling right now. I'm not I'm buying it. I'm, I'm, not not telling, I'm not saying you're not. I'm saying I'm buying yes, it. Yes. I am buying it. And, and what's he going to say? No, we're not deep? You know what I mean? Like, yes, BYU's deep. Well, he admitted as much. He said, we just were not as deep last year yeah. as we are this year. And what are we talking about specifically? Because general depth is pretty boring to me. The like, depth, what are we talking about? The depth to handle if BYU is taking on a group of five team like what? they were last year in a bowl game, which is the most likely scenario. No, right? I mean like positions. Like, again, that's general. Linebackers. Like, linebacker. For one. Secondary. Another. Okay, Pepe has moved back. Okay, the ben defensive line. Max Tooley. Everywhere on the defense, we believe that there is more depth overall. And to me, that is the key to BYU sustaining and getting a perfect record taken care of against a group of five teams. If you have a healthy quarterback and you indeed have depth from, you know, position 1 to 11 on the defense and that's in place, then I think – why should I believe that BYU will not beat even Boise State on the road? Because that's what happens. It's just why, what happens. Like, yeah. Why even does the, Boise State – Some of the best BYU teams have struggled. Why does Boise State in, in its situation. current state – worry BYU fans so much. This is PTSD from go having gone up there and lost so many times, right? I'm, I'm, and I don't even know if it's Boise State I'm worried about per se. I'm just saying there's a game there that happens often. Right. I don't know exactly what game it is. Here's Percentage the thing. wise obviously, Typically, Boise State feels like it'd be that game. Typically, those losses... Utah State has bitten BYU and Provo before sure. when we didn't think about it. Typically, like, those losses are related to injuries, though. Straight up. So, depth has to be at quarterback as well. So, like... Jacob Conover's got to be ready. We can't just pick on the defense. Jacob Conover right? played in the win against Utah State last year. He handed the ball off to Tyler a lot. Like, Jacob's got to be ready to do more, right, than, than – and I think he was, but that was, like, a tough spot yeah. for him to be in. Outside of the Coastal loss, because BYU was, we think, at pretty much full health against Coastal, and that game's weird because you take yeah. it on three days' notice. Because and so it's, we know. Yeah. It's hard to not just be like, okay – I can't really say BYU. shows that. Yeah. shows that. Right. So the Coastal game aside, typically if BYU loses to a group of five opponent in the last few years, injuries are heavily involved. Then in depth this. has to be there. Like, and it's got to be in particular at quarterback because we can't – yeah, we like the, ex, the excuse we sort of just brought up, right, was that Jaron Hall wasn't healthy. Assuming well, health then of the quarterback. Jaren, then Jacob Conover's got to be ready, right? Um, and obviously BYU, uh, you know, in the independence here, 31-8. That's good. That's a good record. Although you'd think, hey, eight losses feels like a lot. 
And, and a lot of those happened in 2017, let's be honest. And even 2018 with a young group, you had a Northern Illinois loss in there where you were like, what? What was that? That was a weird one, right? BYU loses that game 7-6. to six. It's a young Zach Wilson. Second start. You lose to Utah State, uh, you know, I think, uh, what, the week before um, and, and whatnot. And Zach comes in at the end, and then he gets to start later. So, yeah, you got to be ready. to Because if BYU can go 6-0 and against G5, now we're talking about this team – maxing out its capability, which we think is to go 9-plus. If BYU is but to it's win hard. 10 games. It's hard to go in, as we talked about, 2015, last time BYU beat all the G5s. The most likely case to a 10-win season, a third consecutive 10-win season, is going 6-0 and against a group of fives, and, and then a 3-2 and record against power fives, yeah. and you beat Utah Tech, and you're 10-2. and And if BYU is as deep as we're saying, they should be able to sustain that. Why? Why? Exactly. Yes. Assuming like, health... I think BYU should go six and no. zero against a group of fives. Well, if you're if you're talking about being deep, then then you should be able to say, okay, even if we get banged up, we're still going to win all these games. Well, now, yeah, so, to, to, yes, like, yes, yes, right? that's what like, I'm saying. We like, can't we can't go? Yeah, we're deep. And then if BYU loses a game like this, go well, the starters are out. No, 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 no. You can't this use is the team. depth and not excuse that. This is what we're using from Kalani, right? Buying the depth. Let's go. Should beat all the group of fives. Show teams. me. Show me. It starts in week number one against a sneaky group of five opponent. Hit it. Countdown to the Bulls. 15 days. That extra syllable, it'll get you. I guess we could have done 15 days away. Yeah, that's some real that's, syncopation that's real there. syncopation. Oh, yeah. We're two weeks from tomorrow. BYU's got a game two weeks from tomorrow. Not a, we're not talking <laughs> not about practice. practice. A game. A game. Our question of the day. Do all of you expect BYU to go undefeated 6-0 against their group of five counterparts this season? What Let's hear from you and go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At ghardy616 on Instagram this says... This first 616. I like that. Best case, BYU goes 6-0. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, of, yeah. Worst case, I think BYU goes 4-2. My non-blue goggledness. <laughs> that's the first time that's ever been typed out. Tells me BYU is going five and one against yeah. the six group of fives. Where I'm at, I, I don't know what game. It's just last year we wouldn't have said if we said six and one versus P5, but BYU's losing two G5s. You're like, no way, that the, doesn't happen. The true test of depth. It happens to me is seriously is beating all of the teams that you probably should be. Like, BYU feels like they're better than all their group of yes, five opponents. Yes, they are, absolutely. The six G5s and, the, and Utah Tech, there's seven wins there. Just go get two or three other ones. Stanford, Baylor, Arkansas. Ten wins, go. Yeah, the majority of those uh, seven games you just brought up are in Provo as well. Mm-hmm. Take care of business. Every day! Coming Hashtag up. BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Would you rather be a Bronco or a Tiger? And why are we bringing this up? <laughs> And Jason Shepard goes one-on-one with BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk. He's not drinking the poison for sure, right? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review, breaks down Cougar football X's and O's like nobody else. Watch new episodes Tuesday at 7 Eastern and on demand via the free BYU TV app.
We are live in Studio C with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Yes, it's BYUSN. It's also Daddy's show the last two days, right? Absolutely. <laughs> great stuff. Also great, Jason Shepard has taken his talents to uh, the practice field nice. with BYU football to go one-on-one -on -one with BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk. Among the topics discussed... Yeah, bring in the funk. You better believe Jason said that when he got back from the interview. Uh, <laughs> deciding on starters and the emotions of coaching such a big physical bunch. This is Daryl Funk, one-on-one -on -one with Jason Shepard. All right, Coach, we always get to hear from the players how camp is going. From a coaching standpoint, specifically the offensive line, how are things going for you guys? Well, I think they're going good, you know, and I know fans and media probably get here, tired of hearing the coach speak. Yeah, it's a work in progress. It is true, but... I think it's going real well. You know, we have our, our up days. We have our down days. Uh, our defense, I think, is is terrific and doing a lot of good things. So we kind of battle back and forth and just trying to get better every day. But overall, uh, we're, we're heading the right direction for sure. I think that's something that may get overlooked a whole lot in terms of who the offensive line and the offense in general has to go against and how much that helps or hurts how a how a, a line or a position progresses through camp. You touched on it, being able to go against this defense. How much does that help you, not just in terms of getting better, but in an evaluation process as well? Well, it's it's a huge help to evaluate because if all you're doing is going against you know younger kids or scout team or or whatever, and you, you don't get a real true evaluation. But when you start going against Zoe and, and Peely and Peyton and those kind of guys, uh, it, it gives you an idea. And, and even though the scheme we're facing on a daily basis isn't the same as we may see, still it's, it's good on good. Guys uh, that know how to play defense giving us trouble, and we block it sometimes good. But, but yeah, it's, it's huge to go against real good players. From, from your standpoint, you've obviously been doing this a long time. How does how you approach the offensive line and coaching it change from year to year, or is it maybe even practice to practice? How do you handle that? Well, that's a great question. I think about that a lot. When I was a younger O-line coach, I probably used to beat the heck out of them and, and just everything had to be full and live and, and hitting and everything from individual all the way to the team. Uh, I don't do that anymore, so I probably got smarter that way. Probably, if anything, I've gotten simpler in what I want to do over the years because the simpler the schemes are, the less rules you have linemen uh, to have to have, the faster they play. And defenses these days, they run fast, they're fast twitch, all that. It, the, it's moving pictures, you know, no one just sits there and takes on blocks anymore, they move. So, so I gotta have guys that can do that. But, uh, but it's, it's interesting, it's a great question. And I, you know, here after 33, 34 years, whatever it is, I don't pretend to have all the answers. But the other part of it is each group you have every year is a little different. This is a veteran group. This is guys that have played a lot of football. It doesn't mean you don't coach them, but maybe you can coach certain aspects that are a little more advanced than a freshman or a little more advanced. I've had teams where, where four of the five starters were redshirt freshmen. I've had that before. That's a way different thing. So these kids here in this room are great, and they, they make it a, a lot of fun to coach. And, and like I said, we're on the right track. I've got to imagine, too, the, the modern athlete is so much different in terms of their preparation before camps even start. We see this in college. We see this in pros. Nobody's showing up to training camp to get in shape in the pros. Nobody's showing up to fall camp at that point just to get in shape for the season. How much has that changed, the, the shape and the, uh, the stuff that these guys do in the offseason coming into a year? How much has that changed? 
it's it's changed a lot for what we used to have to do. And like you say, and anyone that does come into camp these days that's not in great shape, it's a tough road to hoe because they're work they're practicing and working themselves in the shape. Some might have early morning, you know, cardio club with Dan or something like that. But that hasn't really been the case the last eight or ten years. When I was a young coach or even 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was, uh, used to incorporate some conditioning drills after practice. We, you know, our guys, we, we get our conditioning in, in our team stuff and in our indie, but we used to have to run after practice. Uh, a lot of my individual drills were agility drills, which you really don't need to do anymore because Nuu does those all summer and everything. So when you get to camp, you're not a finished product as a football player because we still got to install the offense, learn all that, but you should be pretty dang close to, to uh, at least camp shape, if not pretty close to season shape by that. So it is different. When you look at this offensive line right now, you already touched on the fact that it is absolutely a veteran group. What excites you about what you see and its potential? Well, whenever you have, uh, I mean, the better players you have, the better coach you are. And any, any coach that <laughs> pretends that's not the case is living in a dream world. Uh, so we got really good, talented players. So that's a great place to start. We got kids that have played a lot of football, so the experience uh, really helps. And when you have the combined things, you got talent and you got experience, you know, it should be a really good group. Probably my biggest concern at this point is uh, because we haven't settled on five and because I don't know the rotation yet, uh, we haven't gotten into that flow. But, but with two and a half weeks left, we got time to do that. But that would be the next step. How close do you think you are to, to naming or maybe not naming publicly, but at least knowing who those starting five are? Close. I'm close, and what we'll probably do is go into that game with, well, obviously the five starters, uh, and then probably a, a third guy on the right side, a third guy on the left side that, that gives us a chance to rotate and keep guys fresh. I'm probably thinking a seven-man rotation to start, but I'm getting close to it. It'll probably be early next week. What's, what's maybe the variables that's holding that up right now? Is it that you just have a lot of guys that are vying for playing time? I think it's that, uh, you know, these guys are graded. Everything they do in practice is graded. So you have a number grade, you have their one-on-one -on -one pass pro grade. You have, uh, you know, you, you, you keep track of missed assignments. I'm doing everything to, to calculate that part of it. But at the same time, you, 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 I am taking a heavy look at, okay, who, who had the best rhythm today as an offense? Who gave our offense the best chance to win today? Was it this group? Was it this group? So once it's all factored in, I think uh, I think it'll be a feel for not only who are the best five players, but who plays uh, the best together. And we're starting to really see patterns of that. We're mixing and matching a little bit, and that's uh, you know. And I partly we do it because we have to cross train guys because they might be a backup here or a third here. But partly we're doing it to give these guys every chance they can to show who should be in the top five. And we're getting real close to that that spot right now. How much are you able to implement scheme for week one's opponent at this point? We've been doing it really from the start, sneaking it in, sneaking it into meetings. Uh, we've, we've been, you know, uh, looking at those defenses. Cause like I said, our defense is really good, but we won't see most of that stuff. There's some stuff we'll see, but, but we've, we've had to do that. So when we have our little scouted run periods or different things, we've already, uh, now some of the kids don't realize it yet, <laughs> but when we start getting into full scout teams, they're going to be like, oh, wait, we've, we've seen that. Oh, yeah, we've, we've been blocking that for two weeks. So that's what we've been doing. What's been your early impressions, or, or maybe you've had a lot longer to look at it, um, the, the opposing line that you guys will be facing in week one? What stood out to you about South Florida from what you've seen? Well, obviously, they got a lot of 
new guys and new transfers and different things. So, you know, we're, we're evaluating. The, some of those guys didn't have much tape from their schools. They transferred, some did. Uh, some of the guys that played last year and in a different scheme, you know, we saw them last year. So it's, uh, and I think our, our analysts and our GAs are doing a real good job of, of setting that up for us. We're not into that full-time as a full-time staff yet. Like I said, we're just kind of doing this and that. We're still kind of in camp mode, but as we switch, our young coaches have set us up real good and they've got tape of, of these guys. Sometimes that's hard. In this transfer portal era, you got to look at, you know, Minnesota tape and try to find a kid on that tape, or you got to find a couple clips from Missouri or wherever else, Kansas State. And so it'll be a little, it'll be a little bit of a mystery going into that first game. But, uh, but the good thing about our system uh, is, is the rules have been set here for two or three years. Uh, they haven't changed much. Uh, so if we get a different defense that we're expecting or something else, we've got rules that cover all that. We just adjust to it and go. But, but we're starting on that. Uh, the question you asked is a great We're starting on that already. We, we hear the term the, the dog days. At, at this point where you're, you're more than halfway in and you can kind of see the end in sight, do you have to mix things up or is, is it getting a little too monotonous in terms of camp or, or have the guys handled that well at this point? They've handled it well. We've had a couple down days. and. You know, kids are kids. You're going to have a, a day or two where they either just don't not ready to practice or, uh, you know, our defense just was all over in one day. That's going to happen. we got a good defense. That's going to happen. But I chuckle a little bit because my definition of the dog days of <laughs> – I say two-a-days sometimes. We don't have two-a-days. And I was all for that. When, when they get it away with two-a-days, I worked with a lot of coaches that thought, oh, kids are soft these days. I was for it because it helped cut down concussion. I was for all that. I'm good with that. But by the same token, these kids don't really understand, and I'm glad they don't, having someone bang on your door with a baseball bat in the dorm at 6 in the morning and go all day and then cut you loose at 10 o'clock, hand you a snack, and send you to bed. They don't, they don't understand that. Our kids have a little bit more free time to do some stuff, watch tape, and most important, get rest. So I chuckle a little bit at it, but, uh, but in a relative sense, uh, they have done a really good job for what we give them. All right, last question. How much are you enjoying this? Like we said, you've been doing this a long time, but you look like you're still having fun out there. I love this. I, I, I really do. Um, it's, uh, you know, I said this, I say this to recruits, I say this to my kids in the room, and, and it's true. I got in this profession for the right reason uh, back long ago because the game was great to me. I was given a full-ride scholarship. I had coaches that believed in me, and it turned into a career. And here I am 30-some-odd years later, but I love what I do. I pinch myself, especially when I'm looking at these mountains. I'm a mountain guy. I'm from Colorado, but these are a lot closer. than Pretty Collins. awesome, isn't it? Awesome. I get caught off guard just like I am now. But what I was trying to say is I pinch myself. One, you know, I get to coach a game, uh, you know, that I love. Two, I get to coach kids, whatever their ages are, 18 to 25, whatever it is. And, and, and three, I got to work with a staff like this and, that loves what they're doing. So. I'm really fired up. And you get to do media, right? That's You're I looking forward to, to that, right? media. Okay, I'm, that's what we like to hear. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, I get to do media. That's the <laughs> yeah. fourth one. Just want to make sure we got that on camera. Coach, thank okay. you so much. Great insight, and good luck the rest of the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Thanks. Daryl Funk has a very interesting Ben-a-pow. and tough decision to make before USF. Like, you've got eight dudes, okay? The Bar- legitimate can be like, group. yeah, we'll Speaking start. Speaking of depth. Yes, yep. <laughs> the depth is there on the offensive line. It's, yeah. you got eight guys. you got to pick five. Also, a note, I would like my offensive line coach to look like an offensive line coach, and Daryl Funk looks like an yes. offensive line coach <laughs> and sounds like an offensive line coach. I want that guy to be a little gruff, like in appearance and voice, 
Just because he's been getting after it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Plus, he has a fun last name for broadcasters. You know? Yeah, we I'm like just thinking stuff. about all of the previous offensive line coaches, and they all kind of fit that bill. They all fit that Garrett, bill. Garrett 2J, uh, Ryan Pugh. It'd be hilarious if they just had, like, some skinny chump like Even me <laughs> coaching the O-line. Like, yeah, these guys are big and tall. Certainly, I mean, Jeff Grimes was the offensive coordinator, but he like, certainly you spent know? a ton of time with the offensive line, like, Grimes fits that mold. Oh, yeah, like Eric kind Mateos, of a deeper voice, like, like, a, like a little bit of facial just, hair. Yeah. Honor Coates, like, you're close. Coming up, is Utah the most underrated college football state? We didn't say it. And who will have more rushing yards this season, Tyler Algier in the NFL with the Falcons or Lopini Katoa for BYU? Ooh, nice. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Make sure you get all the Cougar sports content you could want by following BYU Sports Nation on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube, and the TikTok. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. Now it's time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Atlanta Falcons posted a rookie spotlight video of Tyler Algier where he outlined his journey to BYU in the NFL. We love Tyler. Who will have more rushing yards this year? Tyler Algier with the Falcons or Lopini Katoa with the Brighams? Oh, I love Lopini Katoa. He's more of a combo back than Tyler's going to be in Atlanta this year. So Lopini catches a lot of footballs. Straight up rush yards, it's, I think it's going to be Tyler, and it's not going to be close, Jerem. Mike, Mike Davis was the second uh, leading don't. rusher. He had 500 yards last year. Mike Davis Lo is no longer with the Falcons. Right. It's Cordero Patterson As and the Tyler main guy. Algier. Now, and here's the other thing that Tyler has going for him. This season, he's got 17 games to do it. Lopini's only got 13. Right. Lopini's previous high was 34 yards a game on average. Can Tyler average – and so – Taking into consideration more games, all Tyler needs to do is average more than 26 yards a game to beat Lopini's previous season high. Yeah. Like, it's going to be Tyler. Lopini uh, rushed for 423 last year. I think Tyler, yeah, outdoes him in that way. So maybe we need to go per game uh, and yeah, look at this later. Yeah, more yards per game? Yeah. Then it's a little bit per closer, right? Per game probably a more fair competition. You know? Yeah. Or if you did uh, total offense, meaning any pass rush catch right total offense is a really total, interesting conversation yeah because it's taking into account the receiver exactly now that's well, very that's very we'll look at that later in the season okay jake crane a host of a sports talk show called crane and co also said sounds that like a law firm the state of utah is the most underrated college football state yep do you agree with jake crane I made some great points that i agree with obviously the fact that it's the only state with three ranked teams in the final AP poll last year. It was pretty cool. Utah State's the key to that, right? He I mean, brought up Weber State and the FCS. You think of Cal California, Texas, Florida, that BYU outdid even uh, you know those states pretty good. You know Michigan, Ohio, you'd, you'd think could put out sometimes multiple with Cincinnati, Ohio State, and so on. Yeah, only three million people live here, but Cork Canyon's become this national power. Yeah. You even yeah. think about basketball, yeah. Spence. Wasatch Academy is a top ten team. There's some good ball here, like pound for pound. Utah's pretty awesome, man. I, I don't know. And Tim Brando, our guy, he's always been a big proponent of BYU. He's our guy? I didn't know that. He quoted, this is pure college football truth, quote tweeting Jake Crane. Yeah, Utah. And then at the, at the bottom we put paid advertising. I mean, 
Seriously, what what other state the size of Utah with a population Nobody. of just over three million people That's has the point. is producing three top twenty-five caliber football teams in the same season? Yeah, and granted, it was one season. One season. But right now, BYU and Utah are in this top twenty-five mode. Which right. Is pretty awesome. Yeah, Utah State's in a great place. Yep. And like I said, he brought up Weber State. Good FCS program. Jay Hill. Shout out to our guy Jay Hill for sure. Absolutely. Right. On we go, Jer. Okay, uh, what would be the bigger top 44 win this season, Boise State or Utah State? Uh, at Boise State for sure. Everything on the line. Maybe the last time BYU ever plays Boise State, we don't know. Like, we think BYU and Utah State are going to play again, right? Yes. Who knows if and when BYU and Boise State are going to play again. I'm cool if we don't because I would like a P5 in the form of Utah or a bigger name than Utah, a G5. Sometimes that could be Utah State and an FCS. That's what I want out of the three games. So there's, there's unsettled business here with Boise State. They essentially ruined any real shot that BYU had of getting into a New Year's Six Bowl game last and year. And BYU did it to them in 2019. Correct. Yeah. So settle the score again one more time up in Boise. Boise State, that, no doubt. That would be the bigger win. Big Game Boomer posted a list of the most famous celebrity fan for every school. He has Aaron Eckhart as BYU's most famous fan. Okay, Two-Face. Like alumni? Oh, a celebrity fan. Celebrity is Aaron fan. Eckhart a celebrity fan of this, BYU? This I don't know that based, he's very public about that. This is based on him, a few pictures of him wearing a BYU hat, but that was like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, I don't think he's super vocal about BYU, but we'd love to have him back here anytime he wants. Like, who is, like, That's the okay. most outspoken famous fan? It's probably Steve Young. I would right? say Steve Young. If you go, like, non-sports, you got to be like, is it like... Did Donnie Osmond go here for a oh, semester? Maybe Don, yeah, maybe maybe it's Donnie or Marie, right? Donnie or, and Marie. Or Dale Murphy, because he went to, oh, I guess non-sports. Okay, well, listen. Dan is, Reynolds, is, Imagine is Big Dragons. Game, is Big Game Boomer right listing Aaron Eckhart and not any of the previous people we discussed? <sighs> I don't I don't know. In, t- in terms of, like, influence, Stephanie Meyer wrote Twilight, went here, right? Jared Hess, Napoleon Dynamite. It might Nacho be Donnie Ray and Marie, Jerem. Like the most widely Probably. recognized. And my mom and your mom would really like that answer as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Utah's uh, was listed as Big Game Boomer. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> By the way, fantastic. Utah State's uh, was Nolan Bushnell who created Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, that's legit. I didn't know who Nolan Bushnell was until this morning. <laughs> that's legit. On the ESPN Plus broadcast of the women's soccer game last night, a graphic said BYU Broncos. BYU Broncos? This just said BYU has changed its mascot. Just kidding. What? In the 2018, there it is. In the Potato Bowl in 2018, the postgame, the Cougars were called the Tigers. Congratulations you... to your BYU Tigers. There it is. Would you rather be a Bronco or a Tiger? I'd rather be a Tiger. Tigers are ferocious. Also, it's in the feline family. It's in the feline it's family. similar to yeah. a cougar in a, a few ways. But the Bronco Mendenhalls, Bron- is that what they were getting at? Broncos? The Broncos, Broncos. BYU. I, I think somebody thought Boise, was singing Boise State. Well, if there had been an apostrophe, suddenly it becomes um, like Bronco Mendenhalls, B- like BYU. He, he owns BYU. Uh, <laughs> it's Broncos BYU, not just any BYU. For a minute, it's Broncos BYU. Yeah, for a few years, he did. So, yeah. I would much rather be a Tiger in this regard. <laughs> the, the BYU Broncos. Uh, shout, shout out to that font coordinator. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, the, the font is interesting too. Listing the mascot before the name, that's also an interesting take. Cougars BYU are going to crush it this year. <laughs> Beat those G5s. All right. Bronco aside, the opening line of Bill Connolly's article today on ESPN about Ooh. how to make the season go. fun goes like this, and I quote, the college football extended universe is something a fiction writer could only dream of creating. Hmm. Star Wars never had a side plot as worthwhile as the BYU-Utah Holy War. 
Jerem, you're a Star Wars guy. Is that statement fact or galactic blasphemy? <laughs> nice. Uh, BYU Utah is pretty good. Although I, I have enjoyed the, uh, you know, I just finished Clone Wars, so the Ahsoka Mandalore storyline was pretty juicy. Could have done without the Martez sisters at the end, in season uh, seven. But anyway, you really I'm, into, into I'm into Rebels now, and I haven't seen it, and uh, so I'm excited to see where. When are you going to start your blog, or, a, or at least like a podcast about this? Because I don't have. Time. You're you're missing your passion, Jerem. I don't work for free anymore, bro. <laughs> Except in church. Coming up today's Rise and Shine. And further expansion news, or is it much ado about nothing? The Big Ten's causing havoc again. This is BYU Sports Nation. Such a good pick, dude. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you subscribe to the BYU Sports Nation YouTube channel for interviews, what's trending, and entire episodes, should you choose to watch on that platform. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio C on a Friday. This is how we do it. Friend of the program, Brett McMurphy, tweeted out this morning that the Big Ten's Kevin Warren, commissioner, sees the Big Ten having 20 members in the future. Okay, they're at 16 with the addition of USC and UCLA. So Adding four more teams. But wait, we need the context. And getting to 20, Okay. So here's the exchange between Real Sports HBO's Bryant Gumble and the aforementioned Kevin Warren, Big Ten Commissioner. Bryant Gumble, you're at 16 teams now. Could you foresee 20? Kevin Warren, I could. Yeah. I could see perpetual and future growth. So he doesn't necessarily say 20. He just said, yeah. The I idea could, could, is yeah. out there. The idea is in their minds, right? It's in his mind, at least. Yeah, of course it is. You want to you, you wanna eliminate one of the Power Five leagues? You could. Is this Just invite a, Oregon and Washington. Is this a big deal or no deal that that exchange happened between Brian Gumble and Kevin Warren? <laughs> no deal, because we already knew this. We he said other comments similar to this of like, yeah, and we're still oh, we're still looking. Like it's not, yeah. Brett Yormark said we're open for business. Like that, you know who isn't the Pac-12. The Pac-12 isn't like you know what we're open for business too. Uh, come on over Oklahoma State or whatever. Not, not a big deal to me, though. Although, this could be obviously very interesting. The Pac-12 is a house of cards currently. If two teams leave, they're donezo, you'd think, as a power league. Depends what teams, uh, well, any two, probably. If the Arizona, Arizona State came to the Big 12. There's no smoke anymore. We're close to the season. This is going to dither down. Yeah. The Pac-12 TV contract is really interesting now. Because the Big Ten, we learned in the, in the contract, has escalator clauses of additional teams. You add more, you get more money. Right? And and not sure if it's more, but just like we will equal it per team maybe, right? I, I didn't see exactly Sorry, what Sorry, the total number goes up. You will, yes, yeah, but like, you may not get an interest. You don't have to yes. split the money, you know, more less. ways, like less, right? You, You'd never invite anybody if that's the case. It would that's be like, why hey, BYU was never invited. It didn't add value. If you invite these other four teams, we will give them $62.5 million per year as well. And that's a big ad. You're saying, you know, Another two hundred and forty five million dollars. If you go four, right? Sorry, yeah. another two hundred and fifty million. It's a lot. <gasps> hey, what's six mil when you have two fifty? You're just like, you know, chump change. It's in the car in, in the form of uh Sacagawea dollars, you know. But if if it's a Pac twelve TV contract, that they they are trying to figure that out uh for two years from now, right? And or is it next year? I think it's two years. That will tell us a lot. Like, are they staying together or not? And how many years is that contract? Because then the Big Ten would have to wait. 
for those teams after. The reason USC and UCLA bounce when they do is because their TV deal is ending sure. in uh, 25. So, no, it's uh, three years from now. They're, they're trying to lock them yeah. themselves into figuring out, are we together or not? The Pac-12 contract will tell us whether they are. This Okay, so I, I thought about this in terms of a meal, probably because I think about food a lot. And because it's not quite lunchtime, Mountain Time, I, yeah. but we're getting there. Yes. So th- the meal has already been prepared. And, and by that, I mean, like, the idea that the Big Ten could expand even more and go to 20. Like, that meal was prepared, and it was on the table. And, like, like the Big Ten partook to a degree, and they invited USC and UCLA, and they got to 16. Partook's a very okay. our culture okay. word. Nice. And then the leftovers got put in the fridge. The only reason this is a deal is because the leftovers have been heated up again, and they're put back on the table. It's like, oh, this idea. It's always there. It's just been reheated, and the idea is being brought into the forefront once again. Like, the uh, idea never left. But was it air fried is the question, because I just got an air fryer recently. <laughs> Game changer. I made bacon in the air fryer this morning. Unbelievable. The idea Very never different left. than the microwave, okay? It, it's, it's just always. So it's, it's an always, air fried or microwave to you, it's this micro- idea? It's microwave. It's microwave? It's microwave. You're yeah, because nuking it, it. it's made, and, like, it's just been reheated. So people are like, oh, no, the Pac-12 again. And the idea never left. It's always been there. They just brought it out of the fridge and heated it up again with HBO Real Sports. Yeah. Put the light on it, warmed it up again, and now we're starting to see the Titanic memes, like the Pac-12 diving. And I was like, stop it. What if like, – um, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's always been there. It, it, like the Titanic scenario happens if, in my opinion, Oregon and Washington leave. Well, any two from the Pac-12. Well, that's the thing. Like because you, could, you could add, like Oregon and Washington are the pillars. They can sustain. They could add two more teams if Arizona schools left, and they'd survive, in my opinion. They would. Uh, if Oregon and Washington left, yeah, it would, survival becomes much more difficult. I don't think they survive. I think at that point, the Big 12 plunders. Yeah, they could add four they teams, go, and it's like, we're adding. Huh? We no. might add way more. Like, why wouldn't you no. just add? At that point, the Big 12 could go, okay, Maybe we merge now. Although the Big 12 and Pac-12, Matt, talked about a merger. They didn't actually decide to do it. So the Big, the Big Ten holds the cards here. but the Pac-12, Because they hold the most money. Yes, and, and power. Like, those teams will bounce. And as much as, like, uh, 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 Utah wants that Big Ten invite, doesn't feel like that's coming. That's an that's a Oregon-Washington thing or nothing. And if yeah. they wanted Oregon-Washington, they would have got them before they just signed that's up the TV thing. contract. Like, th- that's what, the thing. They're not going to do it for a couple of years if they do it, I what, think. Wouldn't they have already invited Oregon and Washington if they really want? They got the West Coast time frame, Jerem. They got With it. USC and UCLA. They, got they don't need Oregon and Washington. Yeah. However, I guarantee Kevin Warren's thinking, huh, Notre Dame would be nice. Clemson of would be nice. Yeah, well, Clemson maybe Duke and North Carolina would add some things to our conference as well. Not in football, uh, but certainly in basketball, right? Um, real quick, men's volleyball angle of this. So BYU plays in the MPSF. Mm-hmm. They have USC and UCLA still in the league despite the Big Ten move because the Big Ten did not does not have volleyball in men's volleyball. Uh, Ohio State and Penn State play in two different leagues actually right now that are just made up volleyball leagues: the MIVA and the EIBA. There could be a situation where uh, with USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, now there's four if you want to. You have to have six to field the league to go to the NCAA tournament. You can invite two affiliate members at that point. Did you know that Utah Valley is in the Big 12 in wrestling? Did you know that Arizona State is in the Big Ten in hockey? This happens. Um, so I wonder at some point if the Big Ten adds men's volleyball with two affiliate members. And BYU takes and if advantage. You, and if USC and UCLA leave the MPSF, BYU, I wonder if they would listen to that idea. Huh. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't know. 
Because if USC and UCLA leave the MPSF, now you're in real trouble as a league. Because it's like you and Stanford and Grand Canyon and Concordia Irvine, right? Yeah. Stuff. Okay, Expansion, we'll not, not, not exclusive, just to football. Right? <laughs> it affects everybody. Coming up, our elite voice of the day. And today's rise and shout out to a former Cougar who's he's looking a little orange these days. This is BYU Sports Nation. From eating carrots? This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Make sure to download the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or subscribe to the podcast, rate, and review as well. Our question of the day, do you expect BYU football to go 6-0 against their group of five opponents in the 2022 season? Mm. Let's run them down really fast, Jerem. USF, yep. okay, Utah State, mm-hmm. Wyoming, Liberty, East Carolina, Boise, and Boise State. State. Yep. And then, of course, an FCS game with uh, Utah Tech, but we're assuming you know, BYU Six wins. group of five of teams. Michael Christensen on Twitter says, expect is such an interesting word. I hope for it. I want it. Dare I say I even believe it could happen. But, no, I don't expect it. Five and one more likely. Yeah, I, I'm in that camp of, like, okay, the, the hope, of course, is 6-0. and oh. Take care of business against everybody. You have a chance at 10 wins. This is Kalani's like, best team. Yes. If this is best, Kalani's best team, they should win all do six it. of those games. Yes, do it. All right, our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Bayoeste on Twitter says, gee, I guess so. But I think it more like 8-0 versus the – G6, if you include Oregon and Stanford. Oh. Oregon's like, come on now. Ranked Oregon's 11th. Ranked, Oregon's ranked 14 spots higher than BYU right now. Can't be, can't be calling him G6 when they ain't got Man. that ain't got that money. Oh, Stanford's endowment also is definitely not G6. Listen, if only Deseret Industries was like Nike, right? <laughs> <laughs> then we'd be in the same place as Oregon. Today's rise and shout-outs presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our good friend Micah Simon has found a new assignment with some former BYU guys as an offensive analyst for Syracuse football. He's been hereby called. So have fun with uh, Jason Beck and Robert and I and Coy Detmer Jr. That'll be awesome. Super cool. Well done, Micah. Yeah. Our thanks to today's guest, Daryl Funk. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Amy Boswell. We'll see you on Monday for more BYU Sports Nation when we're less than two weeks away from an actual BYU football game. Go Cougs.